Hello universe, you of occasional errors, missteps, and oopsie daisies. Here we are at episode 50, 50! That's all 10 fingers and toes twice, plus one hand and one foot. And uh, really it's 51 because of the silliness I played in episode 39. But since that was silliness, I do not count that as official. So officially episode 50. Unofficially, well, whatever you want. <clears throat> um, I am reviewing the last 10 episodes for inaccuracies, dangling threads, and other overlooked items uh, in this uh, run here. And uh, then we'll be doing a review of those who I called my heroes here in the wait what segment and uh, then on 52 I will be reviewing everything and trying to put some sort of a ribbon on the package that is this uh, regifted sentiment of how life can be both the greatest thing ever and harder than hell um, and then in 53, look back and see all the ways that it was harder than hell that I wish it hadn't have been. Um, try to figure out how and what I learned through the process, what that means for the subsequent series and uh, whatever kind of other nonsense I can spit into the uh, blooper reel review of, uh, of this first <clears throat> go. Uh, and so, I did end up re-recording the Mandela Effect episode just as I ended up re-recording episode 31, which both were accidentally recorded in the low, uh, the low recording quality format, whatever an AMR file is. Uh, that is what I ended up with. And I was afraid that having two files that were not as uh, that we're not in the same format as all the other files would be troublesome for any kind of uh, <clears throat> uploading initiative. So because of that, and because it was only two files, one of which was four minutes long or something like that, um, and the other of which was the Mandela Effect episode. And the Mandela Effect episode was one I could have done at any point in time. I was ready for that episode two years ago. So redoing that one felt the least uh, um, rehearsed uh, option or the most rehearsed option, I suppose, because uh, I knew that I could, in most sentiment, recreate that episode uh, in almost identical tone and measure. Now, I did leave some things off my uh, my retelling of the Mandela effect, like all the changes in geography, um, the changes in Roman numerals, Mr. Moneybags, Pennybags, whatever his name is, that has a monocle, a monopoly that supposedly never has had a mon monocle, uh, biblical words changing, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us, whatever that's changed into, lions for lambs, what the hell happened to I mean, how can, how can there be the Tom Cruise, Meryl Streep movie if that wasn't the quote? The whole point of that movie was the biblical allegory about how the, uh, the 
threats are laying down with the innocents and no supposedly wolf i mean it's never been wolf um and <clears throat> the mike and ike is another one that is ridiculous because good and plenty and mike and ike sat next to each other in the theater candy case my whole childhood i just assumed it was the same dude boxing up candy in his basement who didn't have room on his boxes for the word and it was always good and plenty and mike and ike and now it's never been that way okay and <laughs> the in the barbie world in the barbie world it's in a barbie world it has always been in a barbie world and why do these little uh uh what do you call those articles um of speech why are they changing uh the other uh, other uh, uh the it doesn't make sense just like to think for a second that English teachers across the country would have gotten the, if you use cliff notes, you're in trouble. You do not get to use cliff notes as a substitute for reading the Scarlet Letter, unfortunately. You will have to read the Scarlet Letter because though cliff notes will let you converse in class as if you had read the book, that is cheating. So we don't want you to use cliff notes. English teachers said with regularity to 10th graders at Manual High School. And you know what? They didn't say Cliff's notes and they're English teachers. They're not going to miss the apostrophe S on the end of Cliff and tell us not to use Cliff's notes and just be cool and shorten it to Cliff. English teachers aren't that cool, period. Just like pixie sticks with a Y. What a stupid <laughs> word. It, it is like pixie, P-I-X-I-E is bad enough, but then P-I-X-Y, it's not even a word. And I know all words are made up. But that is a made-up word. It's P-I-X-I-E, just like all pixies. Um, and chartreuse, though I've always known chartreuse to be the color uh, vibrant yellow-green. I even have it on my bathroom shelves. It is an odd attraction that the word chartreuse in that wine-colored version uh resonate i don't know what it is but <clears throat> unlike most of the ones on the list where it's like looney tunes no looney tunes t-o-o-n-s clear as a bell always has been um and i didn't mention some of the ones that i'm somewhat confident on but not as confident on that they would make this list uh for places that i will plant my flag and say this has changed um uh, none of them are coming to mind right now <laughs> but there are several others out there that for instance jiff and jiffy that's one that i gotta say i never knew of a jiffy peanut butter i've always known jiff peanut butter ready in a jiff that's how we always said jiff that's why we shortened it to jiff as kids i'll be there in a jiff um so there's one that doesn't uh necessarily resonate with me um and yet plenty of others that uh if i were to go through the list curious george's tale um i mean these are just things that i remember the the cover of the book where he's swinging from a tree branch and grabbing a fireman's helmet i mean 
You can tell me that he was doing that with his arm, but I clearly remember it being his tail. Now, will I go to my grave and say that I will plant my flag there? No, but Curious George had a tail in my childhood. All right, enough. Um, the retelling of the Mandela episode isn't to try to obscure anything of the original Mandela episode. Anybody that wants to hear it can hear it anytime. I have the save file. It's just very difficult to listen to compared to these high-level recordings. So just keep that in mind. Um, all right. <clears throat> Back to reality. Oh, and another thing. You know, the very first Mandela effect probably that I had was that the sun changed color. When did the sun get white instead of yellow? When did that happen? It used to be yellow. Now it's white. <clears throat> uh, hippie friend this Tuesday and I are getting together. 2 p.m. We even have a time set. Now, will that maintain? I do not know. I will be able to maintain that with 99% guarantee. So we'll see, but things look good that I may be able to share more of this material with other people and get some, uh, some feedback. Uh, I did speak about uh, that uh, wilderness school I worked at and cleaning out all those barns and clearing out walking trails in the wilderness and all kinds of stuff. I never worked harder physically than I worked in the summers at that wilderness school. Bailing hay was the worst day I spent there. It's kind of a tie between clearing trails and digging out four feet tall pens of horse manure. Both those days suck. Um, they're both rewarding in the end in their own way. Um, but they're also both things I hope I never have to do again in my life. So uh, the wilderness school changed me for the better. But four or five days of work that I did there still stand out as work that... Uh, Let's just say I hope I'm not doing the next round on Earth. <clears throat> um, so, uh, needle pulling thread. All right, I hate so, but what am I going to do? I'm going to admit that uh, I'm worried about the children. I speak a lot about children in trouble, children in danger, and that isn't projection. That is concern from what may be CIA-planted misinformation, but uh, there does seem to be a rash of unexplainable phenomena surrounding pedophilia and those in power. Now, uh, I, I feel, I guess, is the best way to put it, I'm not really sure, I don't understand pedophilia because I'm not attracted to kids. As a matter of fact, I see kids as nothing but innocent and things to put uh, bubbles around so that they don't get hurt. Um, so, and, and so I, I'm not sure what breaks in somebody that makes them feel like they need to seek love or uh, affection from children. Uh, I don't understand that one. I actually lived next door to someone who had served time for uh for <clears throat> uh, statutory rape and uh and it wasn't a 17 year old with a 15 year old it was a 30 year old man with a 14 year old and i had the conversation want with him once but 
there was no explanation to be had there. And he was a creepy dude. I'll just be straight up. I don't know. That's not endemic of the, the predilection, but I, I cannot understand it. I don't have any of it. None of it. Zero. I'm not attracted to kids. And I guess there are people out there who are. Um, or who have been treated in such a way that as adults, they see children as targets for certain behaviors. Um, I don't know what any of that is. It really is something so foreign that I have no context in which to even try to place those impulses that others seem to act on. Um, and obviously thus have. So how do you forgive the people who will hurt children? How do you forgive the people who will use children for what they know are their adult needs and pleasures? And how do you excuse people who will treat children with the kind of reckless disregard that their lives don't matter? I, you know, I don't know. Those are the hugest questions I have because forgiving them makes me even have visuals I don't like right now. But um, I just want to be clear that while I can't understand any of that, I know that that is behavior that is learned. You didn't come here to diddle kids. You didn't come here to hurt children in any capacity. That is not in your makeup. Somehow you were trained to think something or were taught to believe or act in a way that is wrong. And while I don't understand you, I will in every possible capacity try to be kind and forgiving for whatever experiences put you in a position to think that these actions are not unforgivable. But uh, that's as far as I want to go with that one. So I'm not a pedophile. I, I, as a matter of fact, again, I know minds break. Mind broken ways that are foreign to plenty of other people. But the idea of pedophilia is so foreign to my mind, I don't even have a capacity to try to understand it. <clears throat> um, and last comment here. I did also mention how my childhood was... Uh, just fortunately buffered from any of this. I never had these kinds of conversations with friends, never had the suspicion that somebody might be in trouble this way. And, and it wasn't something that wasn't talked about. I'm sure it was even on after-school specials. But when I spoke of uh, a kid spending a lot of time with an adult, um, that kid was the one that we were, we you know, hey, dude, yeah, you uh, gay with uh, Mr. Bit of it? You know. I mean, and so I guess in a way I did face it because it was a little strange how much time these two spent together. And yet this kid was totally normal. Like he was number one on my golf team while I was number two. I knew this kid extremely well. And, uh, and I'm sure nothing untoward happened. So as sure as I can be not having participated in the experience. But um, I just didn't want that to sound like the adult had said they hadn't done anything wrong. No, it was uh, my conversation with my friend. Um, and <laughs> I think at some point for all the Star Wars nerds out there, I said I was going to go to Tatooine, but maybe I should go to Tatooine because that's where Luke started. And this is a beginning, like every step of every day is a beginning. 
But if we're going to go gain the wisdom necessary to complete this journey, obviously I'm going to go to the Degapa system. And then um, I'm going to apologize to my second grade teacher for mentioning her name, though I'm pretty sure it was Ms. So she could be named anything at this point. And also she was 20 something when I was seven. So there's a gap there that puts her in her seventies potentially. Um, I'm just saying I, I messed that up and I'm sorry. That's why I'm not saying her name again. I am trying not to name people, but obviously I'm bad at that. So plenty of room to improve. I claim intellectual property is BS. Frankly, I claim that property itself is BS. Uh, I do believe those things and uh, suppose I will continue to reinforce why as we go. Just so that that's clear that those are not misstatements on my part. Those are actually things I believe. I believe, I believe. All right. I also believe that I forgot to talk about dream deja vu in uh, some mention of it earlier. I had spoken that I was coming to that and I never got to it. And I've dreamed deja vu a lot. I mean, it's not weekly anymore and it used to be, but... I, I would say I have dreamed deja vu two, three times a month. And what I mean is that I get into a situation in some circumstance where all of a sudden it's extremely familiar to me. And why it's familiar to me is because I've dreamt it. And I don't, I know this is something that other people go through because I've, I've researched the phenomenon and I'm not sure it's something we don't all go through, but, um, it, it always feels to me like when I'm experiencing dream deja vu that my mind has moved away from my control. I don't know how else to explain it. And what I mean by that is when I'm having the whole experience that I'm recalling a reality of a dream in real space, it's like my mind is is fluidly experiencing both at that time i can i i oftentimes will have the dream deja vu because the reality situation triggers the memory of the dream and it's like oh my god i've been here before and i dreamt it is how the whole sequence kind of goes and the realizations can be anything from stupid things like uh seeing uh uh a a video motion display advertisement in a mall shop that you then walk past a week later that you've never been past before. And there's that stupid sign and you realize it. Um, and, uh, and I don't, I mean, I'm going to start cataloging some of my dream events because I do believe that I'm gaining knowledge in my dreams and I don't, uh, I don't know how to, <laughs> this is one place where I'm newly trying to understand maybe what either I'm trying to communicate to myself through the, uh, the manifestation of my own dream universe, or that the connectivity that is available to us in our subconscious dream state to a greater body of knowledge slash wisdom slash historical activity memory, whatever it is. Is available and um, so I will get more into that 
probably not in the next module, but in the one after that. Anyway, so there's what Dream Deja Vu is to me and how I've experienced it. All right, and I, I am <laughs> I'm basically full of shit when I talk about not wanting to live in a world full of secrets and lies and lies and all this truth and you gotta be truthful and because I was a liar for a long time. I mean, to the point I believed when I was diagnosed as a compulsive liar that that was a fair diagnosis and one I'd have to be able to maintain and use safeguards against because it's a dastardly behavioral uh, uh, mechanism that when you can't control it, ruins your life. So forgive me for appearing unkind toward those who might be rolling in their own series and sequence of lies and secrets and schadenfreude. I do not mean to be the hypocrite that I am when I speak of those activities as no longer acceptable. What I mean to speak more of as is the person who has ascended above behaviors that are as reckless to the common good as those are. And I say that in a way that sounds dismissive and condescending. So again, let me retrace and say that's not fair. But if you aren't willing to move beyond the duplicitous nature of not being your real self, well then what's stopping you? And what can I do to fix that for you? Because ultimately, the problems you're creating aren't just problems for yourself, which of course they are. They're problems for everybody around you. And they're especially problems for everybody around you that cares about you. So how can I help you stop abusing them through what you think is behavior that's only abusing yourself? It's not. It feeds out, it pours out into the universe, and it leaves a whole lot of energy to be used to unwind what you're doing when the unwinding is inevitable. So I am, I used to be filled with shame about who I was and the actions I've taken. You know what I'm not? I'm not free of all that shame, but I'm not entrapped by it. If any of this sounded like I was speaking to you, work toward that. You can't lose the shame, but you can lose the cage that it's put you in. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'll quit fucking with the pause button. Uh, but speaking of which, I was going to pause real quick because I just... Okay, I think I can call that my last use of the pause button. I didn't do anything, I just watched it blink twice. But the pause button is something I don't use because A, it causes me to make stupid shower gags, and B, it, um, it isn't me being uh, unvarnished. It's me being varnished. So, bye-bye pause button. Sorry to anybody who found that to be a technological boon in my favor. In some regards, it was, but I can't take the message. Uh, oh, and yeah, you know, I, I, the thing about the day my coworker was checking his phone about all his wagering, it was not a slow day. There was a lot to do. And because all my coworker did was check his phone, uh, all of it fell on me and one other guy. Uh, 
which is shitty. And I believe that some of my angst was toward that. While I may have been a phone checking guy, I wasn't a phone checking, slept my work off on three other people guy. I have never slept my work off on other people. That is not who I am. And I can confidently say that that has never been who I am. All right. Uh, okay. I said I was going to focus in episode 49 on, on looking forward. I did not. As a matter of fact, what I will do is focus some of that in episode 53. Uh, and Alan Rickman, I am so sorry to have called you Bruno instead of Hans Gruber. That's just that's unforgivable, frankly. So don't forgive me for that because that one... I don't even forgive myself, but I do forgive myself for not thinking of the word glom or erat or uh, omer as part of what could uh, give you the opportunity to play uh, agglomerate. But to be fair, number one, omer is the kind of word that is a, is a crossword puzzle word. So seeing that inside of a Scrabble uh, situation is tough. But Glom, yeah, Glom, sure. Erat, sure. But um, hmm. Omer, I don't know. I mean, how many times are we thinking about archaic, I don't know if it's a coin or measurement or whatever, but I know it's some ancient uh, measure. It's some ancient O-M-E-R because it fits well into crossword puzzles. So, um, and you know what a rotting carcass can't do? It can't do anything because it's a rotting carcass. However, if you don't take that rotting carcass and get it out of the way of everything else, it will rot everything. So yeah, I kind of bungled that. Uh, purge what? I don't even know what purge. Doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> scandals are a part of human nature. See, I, I really do believe this because think, think how, how much how much equality can you imagine let's let's just imagine where everybody has equal say with equal opportunity to have their voice equally heard across uh an equal swath of of populace to create uh the sort of fair distribution of both thought ideas and execution of said plans and uh and concepts in such a way that everybody felt like they were always part of the system to a full extent and that their peers were equally as fulfilled in that system. Okay, so who's leading it, right? I mean, at some point, there has to be some structural advantage that is either the one who counts the votes, the one who, uh, who determines the docket, the one who, uh, who uh, throws out the topics for discussion, to be determined later. I, I, there's just always somebody in sway of some level of, of dictating the proceeding. And so in the, even the most perfect system, somebody has to count the votes. And that person has just an infinitesimal bit of power. But that little tiny bit of power can turn into huge advantages. And I do believe that that is essentially the position that humanity has found itself in today. And I don't know. I, I have tried to think of what it is that is a scandalous, shenaniganless human society. I just don't think there is such a thing. I think what has to happen is that scandals and shenanigans are, are uncovered, that they are 
given the fair ridicule that they deserve and that the behavior of those people is held up as the amoral sin against the greater human kind that it is. And those people then are expected to constantly do better. But to expect the deviant subnature of thought to completely evaporate from the human experience, I don't know how that can happen. I haven't figured that out yet. Maybe it's possible. I'm not saying it, it's off the, the table or it won't be in the upper right corner of the whiteboard, but scandals are part of the human experience. How we deal with them is our choice. Um, okay. <clears throat> so I, I also think that the more you ascend the current paradigm, the structure that we have created in capitalist first world America, the more you're, you're going up that elevator, the less you're in contact with the true spirit of what it is to be human. In other words, you're starting to live for the structure instead of for your humanity. And once you start living for the structure, whether you be the head of the FBI or a senator or uh, on the education board of your local township, you start to fill a role in your expectation of how that role is being perceived. And to me, this is where we start to fail because we start to become things other than who we really are. And once we have separated ourselves from who we really are through either activities, accolades, or any number of other systemic structural experiences, well, both good and bad, we can be pulled away from who we truly are. Now, this will be a large part of what the next segment's about. So other than saying, I think one of the greatest illusions is that somehow climbing in our societal structure in ways that gain you esteem will make your life feel fulfilling. I'm willing to bet they don't. And because they don't, what I fear the most is that those who have ascended those verticals looking for that sense of life's purpose and then discovering it's not there are lashing out and lashing out in a way that says fuck it i'm gonna get mine and fuck the rest y'all um and uh yes five oh <laughs> Capacity has won the contest. As a matter of fact, I am now on a purposeful uh, mission to limit the use of capacity in all ranges of speech, but especially in these recordings. So um, the capacity I have to speak about capacities is an endless capacity of bullshit capacitors, all capacitying at once. On that very stupid note... I will say that it did sound earlier like I planned on peeing my pants again. While I never plan on peeing my pants, it could always happen. That was not what I intended to say. More so, I meant to say that I do believe that following the rules matters. And if you don't like the rules, do something to change them. I am trying to change the rules by which we see ourselves entirely. But 
if you're only going to allow kids to walk down the hall in a way that makes them pee their pants, then maybe even teachers could say, there are sometimes exceptions to the rule which should be considered.